Don't ask for forgiveness. You should never, ever, 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 ever ask another person for forgiveness. You forgive them because the problem is you resent them. Welcome to Conversations with Connors. I'm your host, Adam Connors. Get ready for a different kind of podcast today. My next guest has a kind spirit. He's a gracious host. In fact, we recorded this podcast from his studio. And he also has a lovely disposition, but has been touted as a controversial conservative character. Professionally, he's a very accomplished keynote public speaker, an American activist, and author of four books. He also happens to be a passionate minister, founder of a nonprofit, and host of The Jesse Lee Peterson Show. It comes as no surprise, but my next guest is Jesse Lee Peterson. After an unrestrained, open conversation about today's trending topics, I realized how spiritual and moved he was about addressing the internal weaknesses that humans have. He derives his passion from his massive followers, some of which he personally guides. In fact, he's the president and founder of Brotherhood Organization of Destiny, otherwise known as BOND, a nonprofit organization that helps people overcome anger through forgiveness. He holds his conferences and rallies to help men forgive and improve their status in life through improving their family values. In this dialogue, we learn how Jesse's background growing up on a plantation and life experiences put him on his journey. We also learn how Jesse maintains his following, how he develops a passionate team for his company, and his philosophy on handling tragedy, as well as how he's dealt with some fallout from his fellow brethren within the black community. Jesse also flipped the script and turned his interview a bit into my interview. I won't spoil this portion, so you'll have to tune into the entire episode if you're interested in learning a little bit more about me and how Jesse views my current situation. Regardless of if you agree with Jesse, you can't argue that his heart is in the right place and he's helped a lot of people, some I know personally. So rather than me keep rambling, I'd like to let you listen for yourself to my conversation with Jesse Lee Peterson. Enjoy. I'm excited. This is going to be a fun conversation. <laughs> it is a conversation. I don't like a typical like interview format. It's, yeah. it's I like to pretend as if we're just sitting down, having a cup of coffee and just talking. That's right. Because that's the best way, in my opinion, to really get to know somebody, understand how they operate. And, where are you from? Well, I'm from New York, but I live in Hoboken, New Jersey. Oh, that's where you are now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Have you been? No, I've been to New Jersey, but not Hoboken. Really? Well, I'm still in denial about living in New Jersey, so I trademarked Hoboken as the sixth borough because it's just like if you've ever been to Brooklyn or one of the other boroughs, I feel like it's more of a borough than some of the other ones. Oh, okay. A couple ways to get into the city. You got a path train, you got two ferries and two different tunnels to get into the city. Okay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. From my understanding, I think that you're pretty misunderstood, and I would hope that today the people that are listening get a good understanding to learn about who you are and how you think and whether people agree with everything that you say or not, at least they'll be able to dial it back and know at least where you're coming from, where your head's at on how you got to your perspective. Does that seem fair? So what do you say to that? You're controversial, I guess. How do you define who you are and what you're doing in this world right now? In all honesty, I don't really have a definition of who I am and what I'm doing. But what I'm hoping for is that by being an example and having faith in God, but being what I say, 
that it will encourage other people to examine themselves, return to God, and become sons and daughters of God. Because it's God who does all the work. We're just instruments, men and women who believe in him. And it's really he that is doing the work through us. And what he's doing is trying to create love through human beings. That's how love is created. And then love is not something that you feel, taste, or touch. It's something that you live by. It's a light unto your feet. It's common sense. It's logic. And that's what I want people to return to. A couple questions. Have you always been, I don't know if it's religious or spiritual, or is this something that happened to you later in your life? I grew up in Alabama. I was born there. So I grew up on a plantation down in Alabama. I grew up under Jim Crow law. So I've always gone to church because being black, the moment you're born, they have you sitting up in a church right away. But I knew about God, but I really didn't know him. I knew what I had heard about him. I knew what I had read in the Bible, but it was all intellectual knowledge. It wasn't coming from within. It was coming from without. So I've known about him, but up until the last 29 years have I been living, been one with him and living with him as a son of God over the last 29 years. And what was it at, at 20 that you're able to quantify that it was 29 years ago? Was something happened? Well, t- 29 years ago, I was attending another church at the time here in L.A., and the preacher was preaching from the Bible. He was teaching. I was working on communities there at the church. But I realized that my life was not changing. I still had doubt and fear and worry, insecurity. I was still addicted to women and just wasn't free. I was reading the Bible, going to church, working on the men publicity committee. I was attending all the meetings, but nothing had really changed. So I eventually asked God to let me see myself. What was it that I'm missing? Since I'm giving tithes and offering, doing everything, but nothing was really changing. And I have read in the Bible that if you truly believe in God, then you should have peace. Your life will change, right? And I didn't have it at the time. And so I asked him to let me see myself, to know myself, because I didn't know myself at the time. And he allowed me to see that inside of me was a dark spirit. And I had no idea that it wasn't like a dark night. It was a wicked spirit inside of me. And I saw that, and I was stunned to see that. And it was at the flashing of an eye. And then he allowed me to see that I resented my mother who tried to turn me away from my father. And I was yearning for my father, that little emptiness, that void that I had was a yearning for the father. And my mother had turned me away from him, so I resented her for that. And I knew I had to forgive her. And so she came to L.A. to visit her sister, and I went to forgive her. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do in life. And because you become like whomever you're angry at. And I was angry at my mother for the lack of patience that she had, turning me away from my father. And so I became like her. My thinking and emotion that I had was just like a woman, just like my mother, because you become like what you hate. And you also become addicted to what you hate. So I was addicted Mm -hmm. to women. And so I went and forgave my mother. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do. So I get over there. I finally got into the house, and I told her that I wanted to talk to her. And I took her in the room, and I said, all my life I have resented you because you had no patience. You tried to turn me away from my father, and I resented you for that. And I become like you, and I'm sorry for holding that against you. And when I told her that, in that very moment, God forgave me. Because he said, as you forgive others, he'll forgive you. I didn't ask her for forgiveness. I forgave her 
for what she had done and resented her for it. And so when I forgave her, God forgave me and everything changed. I was able to see and I've been able to overcome her identity and get back myself, which is the identity of God within me. I know myself better now. I can see how to live. I can see how to have faith in God and never doubt. And so my life just changed. And that's what I've been teaching the last 29 years. Wow. So that was an epiphany for you. Did you, what were you doing in your life at that point? And when did you, I guess, fully commit yourself to doing what you're doing now? And walk me through that transition. Well, prior to forgiving my mother and returning to the father, I was out there working, playing the field with women, afraid of women, couldn't speak up for myself. I thought racism existed because I had listened to the lies from the race hustlers, the NAACP, Justin Jackson, Louis Farrakhan, and others. And they were saying that it was about racism. So I believed all that stuff, and life was difficult. I was smoking pot at the time. And so life was difficult for me. Sorry to interrupt. Life was difficult because you were listening to them. You were kind of falling into their... Oh, gotcha. Yeah, life was difficult because I had this anger. So I was judging everybody and everything. And I was listening to the lies that came from the children of the lie. And so I was separated from God, even though I was going to church. So life was very hard for me at the time. I would be overreacting to everything. And as you know, when you overreact, whatever you overreact, you become weaker rather than stronger. And so I was overreacting to things because I had believed into that lie. But once I forgave 29 years ago, God forgave me and took that spirit of anger away, and he gave me perfect peace. And 29 years have gone by, and I've dealt with more in the last 29 years than I've dealt with my entire life. But because I have perfect peace, and I can see that the battle is not about race, sex, it's not racism or sexism or homosexualism or Islamism or dadism is about character. It's about right or wrong because I can see that now. I'm able to overcome rather than be overtaken. And so I started Bond, the Brotherhood Organization of a New Destiny, 28 years ago. And our purpose is to rebuild the family by rebuilding the man. And we are bringing back God's order of God in Christ Christ and man, man over woman, and woman over children. We bring that order back rather than that reverse order of where the woman is over the men and the children are under the woman and it's just all hell. So I think that's where some of the biggest controversy with you comes. Do you mind articulating exactly, I mean, I know that's a really long conversation, but I don't know if there's a way for you to high level describe that pyramid or that hierarchy that you just explained? God has ordained that God is over Christ, Christ is over man, man over woman, and woman over children. So the love comes from above down through us. And when you have that perfect order, then the kids, when the men and women do get married and have kids, the kids have a better chance of having a perfect life because they have perfect parents. And we're supposed to be perfect. So it keeps the kids on track because they're born innocent. But when that order has reversed, where Satan is over the woman and woman is over the man and man over children, then you have nothing but destruction because you have no love and God's order is broken. And that's what happened to the black man is that some 60 to 70 years ago, the order reversed under the so-called civil rights movement 
and Lyndon B. Johnson and the Democratic Party brought in the government, the government became the daddy and the corrupt black leaders became the leader of the people. The government said to black people, you can't have a man in the home. You can't have a father because of racism. And so the government started taking care of the women and children and the men, too. And the leaders, the so-called civil rights leader, became the head of the people, reversing that order. And since that time, it's just been all downhill. Things have gotten worse rather than getting better because the order of God is not there. The average black man is worth a dime. The woman hates the man because he's weak. The man needs the woman rather than the woman needed him. The man hates God, so the women hate God as well because they hate the man. It's just a real mess. They feel like victims. The same thing is happening to the white man as well. If you notice, white men are starting making babies out of wedlock. They're afraid to speak up. And the white, Christian, conservative, straight man of power is the most hated species on earth because he's the one that keeping society together. And if they can get rid of that white man by turning him against his family— then turning them away from God, then it's over for the country. Because women can't keep things together. Whenever they take over, things go to hell in a handbasket. If you notice, when they run the home, the kids go out of control. When she doesn't have a man there that she can look up to, she has to wheel herself on the children, bringing anger and destruction, and the kids end up going out of control because the wife doesn't have that man there to look up to. So the same thing that's happened to the black man is now happening to the white men as well. White men are thinking and emotional like women rather than like men. How much of this do you think is white man versus black man versus just socioeconomics? It has nothing to do with economics, and it really has nothing to do with white men versus black men. All men are hated because men represent Christ. They represent God on earth. They are the Christ on earth. When you see the man, you see the father. You see Christ in him. And Eva understands that. So Eva is using women to destroy the men. And it starts in the home when you're a little boy. Your mother ends up destroying you, turning you away from your father and turning you toward her. And when you grow up, you end up marrying women just like mama. So it's not men against men. It's good against evil. And women don't understand what's happening through them either. Most of them don't understand that. Satan is their father, and Satan hates the order of God, and that's why he's using them to destroy the kids and to destroy the man. And then what do you say about—I know something was controversial about women not being able to vote. Is that inaccurate? That your, well, your, It was your suggestion that you don't think that they should vote. <laughs> well, what yeah. I said was one of the mistakes that we made in the country that women were allowed to vote because there are more women than there are men, meaning that there are more liberal women than there are women of God and men of God. And these liberal women hate men. And so they're getting into our government, and they're also voting. And they're voting in policies and laws and representatives that goes against men and that goes against God. And we didn't have that until the women have started voting. And so what we need to do, just as we have checked liberal men who think and act like women and come up with all these crazy laws like abortion and divorce and all that stuff, we need to call these women out too, especially liberal women who are voting in these laws that goes against men. They vote for abortion. They vote for men to pay child support but not allow them to see their children. They falsely accuse men of being violent and rapists and all kind of evil things. And then they have these laws 
that prevent the men from representing themselves to stand up and say, no, this woman is lying because the laws are against the men. So we need to call these women out just as we've done with the weak men. And then what about the people that are rightly accused? Because um, whether you're right or wrong, we're very much generalizing. Like, for example, what about the single mother whose husband died that had to be a strong mother, that had to raise their kids? Where do they fall into the spectrum of things that you're talking about? Well, if a woman get married and her husband should die, then she has a right to get married again. But if he should live, she has no right to get married because she still belongs to him. And what she should do is just overcome her anger and love what's right with all her heart, soul, and might. And the same God that guides men will also guide the woman. And that way she can raise the children with love rather than hate, with peace rather than confusion. Because the same God that dwells in man will dwell in her as well, especially if her husband died. If they divorce for whatever reason, she doesn't remarry. A woman should not get married and have a step-parent over the children because kids don't like step-parents. They don't like for the father to remarry. They don't like for the mother to remarry. It brings on anger for the children because the man is trying to get love from the woman and woman is trying to get love from the man, ignoring the children, and the kids become very angry about that. So you should not get married until, if you have to, wait until your kids are grown and gone about their way. If you have to, but once you have your kids, there's no reason to really get married anyway because you already have your kids. And the only purpose for marriage is to have a family. If you don't want children, there is no reason to get married. Do you have children? Yeah, I do. You do? I, unfortunately, I have a son that I had out of wedlock and when I was 19, and it was horrible for him. And I knew it would be, and so I made a promise never to do that again unless I got married, to never have any more children out of wedlock. Gotcha. So— are you married now? I'm not married now. You're not married. So you have the one son. I had thought I would be married. I wanted to get married and have 10 kids. I was even growing up. Me and my best friend, we were saying that we were going to have all these kids because in those days, men and women got married and had families. And so my best friend, he went to college. He got married, had 12 or 13 kids. But it just wasn't in the cards for me to get married. 12 or 13 kids. Yeah. How are they doing? They're doing very well. All of them went to college. Uh-huh. And they're doing very well. The unfortunate thing is that his kids have been turned away from him as well. So they're paying a price for that. That's tough. That's really difficult. So you've built this nice following. You've got a lot of people that are hanging on your every word. Walk me through how that happened. So 29 years ago, you have the epiphany. 28 years ago, you commit to living this life and being able to pass on your message. How did you go about building this? You've got some views that are pretty extreme. So how do you get people? I mean, well, it just is what it is. got people on every side. Well, my views right are so perfect yeah. and so right, though. I didn't commit to living right. What happened was when God changed my heart, he woke me up. And in waking up, he changed my nature. He gave me back his nature. And so I'm locked in, and it's a perfect way of living. And so I started bond. Because when I woke up, I realized that black Americans are suffering not because of racism, not because of their skin color, but due to the lack of character. Most black people are immoral. They're having all their children out of wedlock for the most part. They are begging government for things that are free. They rely on affirmative action. They are blaming others. The men are weak, and so they need to return to character. And so I started bond and hope to just tell the truth and wake them up to that. I had no idea 
that it will turn out to be what it is today. It just occurred to me to do this. And at the time, I couldn't speak very well. I can't even now speak very well due to the cleft palate and how they've been uneducated, right? But it just turned out that way. One meeting led to a second meeting. And the next thing I knew, I was on Phil Donahue and Rado. Then we started our own radio show. I was written up in the L.A. Times because, as you say, I was so controversial. But I didn't know I was. I was just telling the truth. And one thing just led to another one over the last 28 years. And then how do you deal with the fallout from the black community that is not supporting you? I don't care about that. Yeah, but I, you haven't had any threats? You yeah, I've, been, any, called, I've yeah. been called Uncle Tom, a sellout. I have a Coon Award. I've been called Coon so much that they gave <laughs> me... showing me a picture right now. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's a statue a, of the... Uh, can I take a picture of that later? Yeah, yeah the Coon Award, right? And I've been called nigger so much by the blacks that I was thinking about changing my middle name from Jesse Lee Peterson to Jesse Nigger Peterson, right? But the problem is I don't feel anything about it. I have compassion for them because I realize they cannot see. And the truth is not for everybody. It's only for a few that are seeking the truth. And so only a few people are seeking that straight and narrow path, whereas most people are going to take the wide road that leads to destruction and like God, if they decide to stay on that road, wide road, I don't care about that at all. They'll just suffer and die. I'm only trying to reach those who are trying to return to the Father. So you talked about character. Give me some examples of things, that, the types of character that you look for in people. To know thyself, know yourself, because to know yourself is to know God. Meaning self-aware, just self-awareness To in general, see what's or? going on within you. Mm -hmm. And you see that it's a battle between good and evil and that it has nothing to do with you at all. And so you stop judging the battle. You don't judge it as right or wrong, good or evil. You just become the observer, and God will do the rest. You let go and let him. So I like that about it. I want people to—that's what character is. And then to love God with all your heart, soul, and might, along with nothing else or anybody else. So when you love him, then you love everybody. You have no resentment toward anyone. And again, love is not anything that you feel, taste, or touch. It's a light unto your feet. It's logic. It's based on what's right and not what you think or feel. It's based on what's right. It's not based on color. It's, is it right or is it wrong? And when you love God, he allows you to see that it's right or it's wrong. And so you just live by that. Now, what do you say to the other people that interpret the Bible differently than you do? Well, I never interpret the Bible but those people are wrong. They can't see. They're what, blinded. What, what would you say if they said the same thing about you? That you're I would not say I understand it. Okay. Yeah, I would understand it. But we're not supposed to interpret the Bible because of ourselves we can do nothing, and of ourselves we know nothing. And the Bible is just a roadmap back to the kingdom of heaven within. And we have the Holy Spirit within us, and the Holy Spirit will teach us all things and guide us. So when you read the Bible— you're supposed to read the Bible not to remember the scriptures at all because you're seeking. And what we're seeking for is within us. Everything that we're looking for is within us. And that that comes out of us gives life, but that that goes in destroys us. So when you read the Bible to remember the scriptures and quote them, you're really dying because the letters kill us rather than learning. You're building the ego, which is of Satan, rather than the spirit of God from within. 
So you're an intense guy. <laughs> when was the last time you had a belly laugh? I laugh all the time. Do you? Give me something. Is it a movie you've seen? I laugh every day on the yeah. radio show, my TV yeah. show, a radio Good. show. I laugh when I counsel people. I laugh about a movie or a TV show or music. I'm all, I have perfect peace, so I'm never unhappy at all. That's good. So you don't have bad days, or how do you handle right. that? How do you handle tragedy? Well, first of all, there's no such thing as bad days because everything that happens to us is God is allowing it to happen. So situations come so we can handle imperfect situations or imperfect people in a perfect manner because that allows us to see our relationship with God and it causes us to become stronger. So I haven't had a bad day in 29 years since I woke up. When you say I'm intense, what does that mean? <laughs> just an intensity. It's a seriousness. I don't know any other way than... than <laughs> but I don't not, I'm not saying it in a negative way. I'm right, just, there's just There's a commitment. There's a focus. There's an intensity to you. You have a belief. You've got a passion. So I'm sensing that, and I just didn't know. I'm just curious <laughs> to when... And you got a good disposition. I'm just curious to like... <laughs> The belly laugh, and what is it that made you laugh? What is, is it certain jokes that you like? Is it a certain type of comedy? Yeah, is I it laugh. you just get a laugh out of people? I laugh at responses of people sometimes. I can ask them a certain question, and sometimes I laugh at their answers to the question because some of the questions are so out there. Give me one. Give me that, one. Right. For example, most Christians believe that the Bible is the Word of God. To me, that's funny. And then those who believe that, if you notice, they have no peace at all. They have anger. Their lives of fear and doubt and worry. Their children's lives are messed up. Their relationships are messed up. And I think it's funny that they hold on to that, even though it's not working. Well, we all know that the, the Bible is the Word from God, but the Word of God is written in our hearts. And it's there that we should live from the heart, right? But most people don't believe that. And to me, that's funny. Because you ask them, why don't you believe that? And they don't believe it, that the Word is written in our heart because they have been told that the Bible is the Word of God. And they spend a lifetime believing in that lie just because someone said it. They don't see it for themselves. They don't know if it's right or wrong. They just believe it because other people said it. Mm. So this is a 24-7 operation, essentially, what you've got going on. Yes, it is. It is. And you've got some passionate people here. You've got a great support system. I have the best staff on this side of heaven. Yeah. The radio crew, the Fallen State, my TV show, the bond, my nonprofit organization, they're all committed to it Yeah, I can in see a that. way that is mind-blowing. And is it they're committed to the vision? Is it the relationship that you developed with them? Talk to me about how you put this team of people together and got them to buy into the vision and see what you're looking to do for people. If not all, but most of them, they heard me on a radio show or they saw me on TV or read one of my books, and they had already awakened before they even met me. And then if I'm looking for an employee, I ask them, like, a job. So they already are committed to the truth first, so we come together for a common cause. And they want what I want. They want other people to wake up. Yeah. And then have you have a nucleus of people that have been with you for a while? Or is yeah. There, or it, yeah okay. Most of the people that's here has been here some over 20 years. You're kidding me. Yeah. Right. So most of the people have been here for a long time. And has it been in this spot? It's a fun place to work. Yeah. It really the, is. The studio is great, by the way. Yeah. How am I going to go back to my own studio? I know we built all the engineer that Billy, yeah. he built the radio studio and Billy lived at the home for Bob. We have a home for young man. He lived at their home for a while. And then he went out and got his own place. 
He started working for me 20-something years ago, the engineer. So he built the radio studio. He built the TV studio out there that we have. He made sure all these cameras and everything. He's self-taught. So he made sure everything works for us. Yeah, he's done a great job. Yeah. So now you said the home. So tell me more about we tell me more a, about Bond. My nonprofit yeah. Bond has a home for young men as well. And we bring men in from around the country and we show them how to overcome that anger first. So they these are people that were troubled at some point or and yeah, not necessarily been in jail or anything, sure. but you know, they just didn't know how to get life going. And we work with all men, all races of men and all ages. No women. We help women too. You know, we counsel with women. We have a women's forum the third Thursday night of every month, and they can come to the church as well. So, so how do the women take your perspective? Because it's a pretty strong stance. How is that perceived? Tell me about some of the women that are coming to your, that are under your yeah. wing. So just at the home for Bond, Billy used to live there, right? Yeah. And then he got his own place, became an employee of Bond. He'd been there ever since. But the women who are seeking of all races and around the world, they hear the message, they go and forgive, they wake up right away. They realize it's the anger that's been holding them back, the unforgiveness. They have not forgiven their mothers. They have not returned to their fathers. There's those who are married or have children out of wedlock have passed that anger down to their children and recreated the kids in their image because they didn't realize what they were doing at the time. So those seeking they catch on to this message right away. But those who are not, they get angry and reject it and run off. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. No yeah. problem. Apologies for interrupting this conversation, especially if you're really enjoying it. I know that I get frustrated when I'm listening to a good podcast, so I'll make it quick. If you're enjoying our podcast, please support us on patreon.com slash networkwise. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash networkwise. All patrons will receive early access to podcasts and exclusive networking advice. Okay, that was painless. So all you have to do now is help us on Patreon and enjoy the remainder of the show. What's the lifeline of someone coming here? Is it something where they come, they get themselves in order, and then they kind of move away? Or does that happen? Or is yeah. it more often that people just stay within the community? Some stay, but most go off and live their lives the yeah. way that they should do it. Yeah. Do you stay in touch with them? Yeah. No. Uh, some I do and some I don't. Yeah. It's up to them. But we have packed houses on Sunday mornings. And thank God, a lot of young folks, y'all are teenagers, men and women in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and some in their 50s, but mostly the younger generation. And how are they finding you? They find me by way of radio and TV and print media. I'm on Fox and CNN, and I've done MSNBC and some of the local channels around town. I've written several books. My first book is From Race to Responsibility. I write about how I was able to overcome that anger because it's abnormal for men and women, especially men and women of God, to have anger. Anger is the nature of Satan. There's no love in it. And then I wrote Scam, How the Black Leadership Exploits Black America. They're being used. They've been kept in that fallen state to be used for power and wealth. Then I wrote the Seven Guarantees, Steps to Family, Spiritual, and Financial Success. Because once I started my own business, I learned as I went. I've never gone to college. I've learned as I've gone. I had a janitorial service before I started Bond. I had that for seven years. And I learned as I went, ended up with seven full-time employees. Once I started Bond, I sold that business by splitting the contracts half and made more money back from that business than what I had put into it after seven years. And then I started Bond because I got so busy here. 
So I write about how you do those things, seven principles to that. And then our, my last book is The Antidote, Healing America from the Poison of Hate, Blame, and Victimhood. And I write about men and women who didn't have fathers in their homes. Obama, Barack Obama didn't have a father. Jesse Jackson didn't have a father. Louis Farrakhan, Al Sharpton, Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, and all those guys. And some women, too, what happened to them as a result of not being raised by their father and where that anger come from. And that's why they can relate to one another because they have that anger that came from their mothers and grandmothers. What was Barack's anger? Barack's mother hated white people. She hated herself and she hated her own race. And she passed that down to Barack Obama. He didn't have a father in the home. His father was black from Africa. And so Barack Obama has the nature of his mother. He hates white people. He hates the Jews. He hates America as it is, and that's why he tried to destroy the country. He, we were more divided as a race under Barack Obama than we've been at any other point in the history of America. He tried to turn America into a socialist society. And then what about, like, Jesse Jackson? What was his hatred? Likewise, his father wasn't there, and his mother— hated him and hated life, and she took out her aggression on him. But Jesse Jackson is a very weak man. He hates whites. He hung and thirsted out of power. He cheated on his wife and made a baby out of that so-called relationship. Jesse Jackson managed to divide the country and use racism for his own personal gain. His son ended up in prison for whatever reason. Jesse Jackson is a race hustler. As a matter of fact, I write in my book that he and Martin Luther King Jr. never got along because Jackson has always had a hidden agenda. It's always been about him and not about the people. So Martin Luther King threw him out of the movement several times. They never got along because Jackson always had a hidden agenda. So when Dr. King was assassinated, Jesse Jackson took what looked like blood and put it on his shirt. And he told the media that King had died in his arms and he lied about that. King did not die in his arm. He later admitted that he had lied about that. And so he's just been a race hustler all of his life. He doesn't love anyone, not even his own wife and kids, because if he had loved his wife, he would not have cheated on her and made a baby out of wedlock. Yeah. He's an evil guy. That's a shame. So in anger, is there something that you do when you meet people that you sense their anger, that you feel? What is it that you get them to do, see, feel, <laughs> to kind of let the pressure out of that balloon of anger or whatever analogy, metaphor you'd What like do use. I do that yeah, how are you people yeah. to see that they have anger? Yeah, is that what it is? You're, you're first getting them to visualize or see that it's anger that's causing their inner destruction? Yeah, what I do is just respond to their questions. A lot of people want to know how to overcome it. Most men and women in America today hate their mothers. And that's why you see men who have— Consciously or subconsciously? Most of them are not aware because the mothers have convinced them that they resent their fathers. But most men and women do not resent their fathers. The anger that they have for their fathers is the anger of their mothers and not their own. But because they identify with mama under pressure, you tend to identify with your mother. And whatever she thinks and feels, you feel it too. And you convince yourself that you resent your father. You yearn for your father. You don't resent your father. That emptiness that you have deep down in your soul is a yearning for the father. And so... When men and women, when I bring that up and men and women see that, 
some of them go and forgive their mothers. And forgiving their mothers is the hardest thing they ever had to do. Why? What is because it? when you are angry like that, you become subject to whomever you're angry at. You become afraid of them. You feel guilty. You don't want to hurt their feelings. You try to get along with them because you resent them. And so most men and women resent their mothers. And so they're afraid or feel guilty by admitting that. And so they go through life never admitting. But those who do, they go and forgive, even though it's the hardest thing they ever had to do, because God said, when you forgive others, he'll forgive you. And so they go and forgive. And what they do, God bring them out of that fallen state back into the light. And then they can start living. Walk me through. Say someone shows up at your door, drug issue, whatever it might be. Walk me through the process of evaluating them, getting them to see the light and transforming them and moving them in the right direction. Is there a cycle? Is there a time frame? How does it work? Well, life only changes for an individual when that individual is ready to change, when you can admit that you're wrong, when you can admit that you have anger. So, you, so no outreach, sorry to interrupt, no outreach on your end. Everyone that's coming has heard about you, found you. Right. So, okay, so they've then come to the door. They've opened the door saying, hey, I'm ready. Right. Yeah, they Walk come me, on their yeah. own. So I talk to them about that anger, and I tell them how to overcome it. And that is they must forgive because God said, when you forgive others, he will forgive you. And so I encourage them to go and forgive their mothers and return to their fathers and let them know that. Don't ask for forgiveness. You should never, ever, 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 ever ask another person for forgiveness. You forgive them because the problem is you resent them. And that's what separates you from God. And that's why you have all the conflict going on. And with the conflict, you reach out to drugs and sex. And a lot of men end up with women that are just like their mothers because they're attracted to what they hate. So they become little boys with their mothers rather than husband and wife. They become son and mother. And so I get them to go and forgive their mothers by realizing that their mothers couldn't help themselves because they resent their mothers as well. And they resent their husbands if they have husbands, but they resent their fathers because their fathers are weak. Give me an example when you're saying a father's weak, meaning because they drugged or womanized or something? No, or the just father's in weak because he resents his mother. And so, so he's involved just, in a woman that he can't handle because he's attracted to what he hates. And the woman that he's involved with is just like his mother. It's the same spirit. And so he never was able to deal with his mother, so he can't deal with the wife. So he go along just to get along. Or he go to work to avoid her. Or he can't correct her, so he turned the children over to the woman. So how do you know when the man is with the right woman? How can you tell? Because when he's with the right woman, it's a woman that was given to him by God, not one that he looked for. Because you're only supposed to seek first the kingdom of God in his right way, and all things will be added. But when you go out looking, you're looking to something to replace what is missing. And what is missing is the love of God, the love of your earthly father, right? So they end up attracted to women that are just like their mothers. Had not they looked, then the woman would have been put into their lives, and that marriage would laugh until death do your part, because that order would be there, the order of God in Christ, Christ and man, man over woman and woman over children. Men try to get love from women, and women don't have love to give. And the reason they're trying to get it because they resent their mother, so they try to get mother's love from the woman, and she doesn't have it. Women are the receiver of love, not the giver. Mm -hmm. And so women hate men who try to get love from them. When was the last time you changed your mind? When was the last time that you, I don't know, you had a strong feeling or that you, something that you've read and 
either someone changed your mind, they helped you to change your mind, or you just evolved. When the last time I changed my mind? Changing about what? Oh, I don't know. It could be something on an abortion or you change your mind on just something that you had a strong opinion or feeling about and you changed your mind. That's a really good question, man. I don't ever remember changing my mind because I don't have an opinion about anything and I don't have a strong feeling about anything because I just walk by the light of God within me. And I don't, one thing that happens once you are born again, once you overcome that fallen state, so are you born again? I yes. didn't I didn't realize that was exact. Okay, so you 100% are. Yes. Okay. And once you're born again, you're guided by what is right, and you don't have an opinion about it at all. You see it, you do it, you live by it, right? And it's in that fallen state that you come up with all these different opinions because Satan is your father. Your mindset is his mindset, and he's not stable in anything. He's all lies about everything. And that's why God said for you to doubt every thought, because every thought you get is not your own. You're not the creator of thoughts. Your thoughts don't come from God. They're strictly from Satan. You're supposed to bring every thought into captivity and live by the voiceless voice rather than the voices in your head, because everything you hear in your head that sound like you or others is a lie. It builds you up to let you down. So I've learned to doubt every thought and be guided by what is right, the voiceless voice. And then how do you know what's right or what makes you the person to decide right and wrong? Because I can see it. I don't decide it. It's clear. I can see it as clear as I can in sunshine in the daytime. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. What's your big vision? Do you have a, a bigger vision for Bond? Because is, is Bond just right here in L.A.? or well, is we're, Bond, we're worldwide. You are worldwide. We counsel with men and women around the world. I don't have a vision worldwide for Bond. I've never had one, not from day one. I've been as amazed by it than anyone else. I'm stunned <laughs> by what happened yeah. over the last 28 years. I'm stunned that we are worldwide known. I'm stunned that I've written several books. I've been on every major radio and TV show around the world. There are people coming to hear me speak. They're coming to the church. I'm invited to speak around the world. I do weddings. Next year, I'm invited overseas to do a wedding to New Zealand. So I don't have a vision. I just take it one day at a time. Wow. What makes you forget to eat lunch? What makes me forget to eat lunch? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just not hungry. Really? Yeah. How are you staying in shape? I work out three times a week. You do? Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm learning to eat better. I try not to eat too late at night. I had gotten fat at one time. About 10 years ago, I guess, give or take, I went home to a family reunion and back down to Alabama, and the local paper heard that I was coming, so they wanted to do a story on me. And so I went down for the interview there, and they did the story, and the headlines were, local boy make it big, or something like that, right? Local hometown boy make it big. So when the paper came out the following day, it says, local hometown boy made it big. And when I looked and saw my picture, I was so fat, I didn't even recognize myself. And I'm like, yeah, I made it big, all right. <laughs> and I said, from that point forward, I'm going to get this weight off because I was just working at that time and not going to the gym or anything. And so from that point forward, I just said, you know what, I'm going to get the fat off and stay healthy. And I've been doing it ever since. Yeah, certain diet that you follow? I mean, you look good. You're, well, you're, I'm not on a diet. I just eat better. Yeah. How old yeah. are you? I'm 69. Wow. Yeah, I'll be 70 in May. 
Uh, well, I guess I'm we'll just, have to get a picture. Yeah. You, you got to be flexing, I think, in our picture. <laughs> that we'll get, we'll get you going. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I eat in moderation, uh-huh. and I try to eat the right kind of food. But sometimes it's hard to do. Oh, but yeah. it is easy to eat in moderation, and that way you don't put on a lot of fat. Yeah. Tell me about a habit that you have, good, bad, or indifferent. I guess one would be I like cookies Ooh, what for kind? dessert. So I like peanut butter cookies. Or chocolate chip cookies, black on the outside, white on the inside. Hmm. I like those kind of cookies. Oreos. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I'm a double stuff. I'm a double stuff Oreo guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so sometimes I overdo that, but it's so good. So I guess that would be one habit. I like singing. I can't sing, but I like singing. Yeah. You're challenged like me, huh? Yeah. yeah. So I guess that would be yeah. a habit as well. Yeah. What's something that you know a lot about that most people don't know that you know a lot about? One thing I know, there's things I know for sure, without a doubt, no doubt at all. I know that our battle is a spiritual battle. It has nothing to do with male or female. It has nothing to do with color. It's right or wrong, good or evil. I know for a fact that there's no such thing as racism, sexism, homophobiaism, Islamophobiaism, deadbeatdadism. Those are made-up words. I know for a fact that we don't have a free will. We don't will anything. I know for a fact that you either serve good or evil. There is no you. You're not in control of anything. I know those things for a fact. So, again, the racism and all these other things that we talked about, would you quantify that as ignorance then? Or what would you, since it's not racism, what is it? It's words that's been deliberately made up by the children of the lie. And the children of the lie are the liberal media, who are the enemies of America, the Democratic Party, the right old Republican, never Trumpers, they are children of the lie. And so they use those words in order to divide and conquer. If they can get you to believe a lie, like racism. At one time, I believed that there was racism when I was in that fallen state. But once I woke up, I see that it's not. And as long as you believe that phony word of racism, you're never going to resolve the problem because it's a physical thing that they made up. But if you see that it's spiritual, it's either good or evil, right or wrong, and that it's just judgment, then you can solve that because you can overcome judgment. When I was growing up, we didn't use the word racism. That word came about later. When I was growing up on the plantation, we were told by the elderly blacks that it was either right or wrong, and that there were good white folks and there were bad ones. It had nothing to do with color. And what made them good or bad? The God that they served, the anger that was in their heart, the unforgiveness, the judgment, because anyone who has anger is playing God. They're judging. They're making decisions, and they're playing God. And that's what sin is. Sin is to play God. When you're judging, when you're angry, you're playing God, and you never will know him. What's your opinion on fear? Because you keep saying anger, but I kind of view it as a, I don't know if it's ignorance or fear is how I, well, you know, you, or scarcity almost. is. All you, people who has anger has fear. Yeah. Because anger, I mean, fear is the daughter of anger. The children, fear, doubt, worry, insecurity, depression, anxiety, doubt, and worry. All those things are the children of anger because they're the nature of Satan. And when you overcome the anger, which is judgment and hatred, then those things will fall away. They'll disappear as well. You will have no fear because you will have perfect love. Do you have anger? I've got to have a lot of anger, I'm sure. You do have anger? Where did your anger come from? I don't know. That's a good question. 
That's a very good question. It comes out in, on the basketball court, I think. I don't know where You where never it comes wonder from. how did I become an angry person? Where did this anger come from? Because you weren't born with it. When did you realize that you had anger? What age? I think my friends would just make fun of me in college or, you know, maybe out of college. And I don't know because do you feel anger? You know, like we're sitting across from each other. I like to think that I'm a pretty happy-go-lucky guy. Right. But, you and know, you don't know where your anger came from? No. It came from your mother. When you became impatient with her, when she imposed herself on you by insisting you go to college or go to a certain school. So let's play out my scenario. And I had very laid-back parents that didn't insist on those. I did go. But there was no, I didn't have Well, I have just the, threw out things. Yeah, yeah, whatever no, no, you no, resented yeah. her for, whatever she got on your nerves about, or you resented your father because he was weak, or you identified with your father because, I mean, you went against your father because you identified with your mother, then that's how you become angry when she imposes herself on you. Because a lot of mothers play victim. Oh, your dad is so this and so that. Even when your father's out at work, she said, oh, he's never around, or he's always working. In that very moment, she's turning you against him, making you identify with her, and that's what caused you to become angry as well. Gotcha. And if you notice, every woman you've been involved with has been just like your mother. You have not been able to handle the women that you've been involved with. You're saying me or just me as in the majority of people? As you're, I'm saying as you right as now. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife's tough to handle. I don't know if I could argue with you on that. But <laughs> your wife is tough to handle. No, right? no, no. Yeah. She, yeah, you the know. reason your wife is tough because you're married to your mother. So and you are the boy and she's the mother. Well, and she it, resents you for it. We have a pretty, I don't know, you'd have to meet her. So my wife is black. Oh, um, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Oh, what, is that? Wow. what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> White men cannot handle black women. Yeah. <laughs> Have Why, you noticed that? Why do you say that? She's and, strong. She's strong. Right. See, there's no such thing as a strong woman but weak men. And the reason you think she's strong because she's very willful and you can't handle her. And you're trying to get away from her, from white women, because you resented your mother, so you didn't want anything to do with white women, right? And because everyone you got involved with, you couldn't handle. Wow. So you think you get involved with this black woman, you're getting away from your mother when you still end up with the same spirit. That's funny. I mean, I respectfully disagree, yeah. but that's funny. I mean, it's interesting. So Why do you think hearing... you can't handle your wife then? Oh, I didn't say that I can't handle her. You said she's strong. You can't handle her. Yeah, she's strong, but I, I respect that. Can and you I, handle and I, her? And I like that. Yes. You can handle your wife. Yes. She listens to you. For the most part, yeah. <laughs> but I like the strength of a woman and a strong opinion. I've got two daughters, and I want my daughters, to me, being successful as a successful father, is that my daughters live their life by the design that they'd like to. So they do what they want. That's in, amazing. In, in their life. So, that, so you don't set the example for them? I try to. I, I think I do. I'm trying to be humble in... I'm sure there's some things that I do a really good job of, and I'm sure there's some things that I'm failing. Do you correct your wife when she's wrong in front of your children? Yes. You do? Yes. And how does your wife receive that? She doesn't receive it well. She does not? No. That's good. I'm glad you corrected because that's what your daughters need to see. Otherwise, if they see that you're afraid of their mother, then they're going to end up with weak men too and dominate their lives as well. Yeah. Well, I like to look at it as a mutual respect. That's how I look at it because I feel like I'd be hypocritic, you know, I want, these are my daughters. Like, I want them to be able to live a better life than me yeah. and somehow, you know. They're not going to be able to do it if they don't love you. Yeah. They got to love you. They got to be connected to you. Otherwise, they may do well 
academically or financially. I don't, I don't even care about right. that as much. But inwardly, they're going to be unhappy because every man they get involved is going to be weak and they're going to hate weak men. I hope they do. I hope they do hate weak men. That's But I, you don't I, want them to hate at all. No, no hate. I, you're right. Poor choice of words on yeah. my end. But I, I hope that they're strong, not gravitated towards weak men. What's strong about your wife? A lot of things. Her persistence, her meter for right or wrong. She has an extremely strong moral compass, determination, drive, uh, very strong, unwavering. You want to come in for counseling with her? Uh, I live in... Oh, that uh, sounds rough. I, li <laughs> <laughs> I live in Hoboken. But oh, I'd, yeah, love, right. I'd love for you to meet her. I'd love for, <laughs> I'd love for you to meet her. Why did you marry a black woman rather than a white woman? You know what? I didn't see through a lens of black and white. And I was young when I got married. I actually didn't... My plan was to be married at 35. I ended up getting married at 25 or 26. She came around. She was amazing. This is the only time you've been married? I've been married almost 20 years. You never, this first only time? Yeah, correct. So you never been married to a white woman? No. Really? Correct. And so did you have sex with your wife before you married her? Yes. Oh, uh, that's why you did it. That's why I married her? <laughs> okay, I'm curious to that one. This is because good. we're not supposed to have sex before marriage. Uh -huh. Because when you have sex before marriage, then you're not married in a person that you love. You don't really know the woman and she doesn't know the man because once you have sex, you become subject to her. You become addicted to her and she controls you and then she hates the control that she has over you. I don't know. I'm going to respectfully disagree with that again and I probably shouldn't be sharing this on the air, but <laughs> she wasn't by far my first. So I don't think I was enamored so much. Yes, the chemistry was definitely Why there. did you have sex with her before marriage? Because I'm a man that has certain needs and desires, and I didn't know at the oh, beginning you, that it was... I wasn't thinking marriage uh, at first. That wasn't, would you need it to sex? I don't know. Maybe at the time. I mean, now we're getting deep. I don't know how <laughs> we talk about needing on some level. Yeah, I guess. Why did you marry the white woman that you had sex with before her? I mean, I wasn't thinking marriage <laughs> then either, but then we had this chemistry. What made you marry this woman? because she embodied so many things that I respected and wanted to be around and enjoyed being with. She got pregnant before you married her? No. Uh, so we, had married, you, we had kids a couple of years after uh, being married. Yeah. So what do you mean she embodied? But um, just you to, she, she's, her intelligence is off. The, she compliments me so well. We are so different. We are completely different animals. And I love that about her and that we have different perspectives. We are just so, she's a yin to my yang, you know, oh. you know, again, disciplined, gorgeous, takes care of herself, disciplined in food. She's raised my kids. If you met my kids, you'd love them. They'd come in and they'd shake your hand. They'd look you in the eye. They would engage you in conversation. They oh, would no. know they're 10 and 12. Oh, okay. Yeah. And again, we're all partial to our own kids and my kids definitely have their shortcomings, but... I think I've done a pretty good job. I think if you had to evaluate the relationship, my wife has raised him 60%, me 40%. I would say that's... So she has not to, turned him against you? No, I'm sure, I'm sure she has in certain things. I'm, you know, because I, I, as I'm hearing what you're saying, I, I'm sure there's some conscious level, some subconscious level. So it's things that you're saying. I'm like, yeah, all right, that makes sense yeah. to some degree. So now that you know that, when you yeah. turn them back toward you by letting them know that their mother was wrong for doing that? In certain things, I'll defend myself to a certain, but at the same time, I wouldn't want to turn them against her. I would want them to be behind her, be behind this strong woman, be behind some of the things that, you know, look at, you know, get her perspective. I'm not right a lot of times. I own that.
What you know, does that mean to be behind this strong woman? They should be with you. What do you mean, be behind a strong woman? Why would I be behind one, or no, why should you they say be? You would want them to be behind a strong woman. What do you mean by that? Well, because I, I think she's a good example of what a woman should be, in my opinion, holding her ground on her opinions, holding the high moral compass, doing good things for other people. Are first. you the head of your wife? Yeah, I would say so. You're the head of your wife. Head meaning? Yes. Explain that. Are more. you a Christian? No, I'm actually an atheist. You're an atheist? Yeah. And so you don't know what it means to be the head of your wife? No. You do not know? Have you ever heard that term? No. You never heard the term head of your wife? I have not. Really? Yeah. You're the first person on earth who have not heard that. Your really? parents were not Christians? No, we were. My mother was Jewish. My father's Catholic. And I was raised to, I had an opportunity to grow up seeing other people going into doing their religious and I was extremely turned off because I felt that everybody was just being brainwashed. And I also saw a lot of hypocrisy, So, which is interesting. So my wife's there of the Baptist church going into their church. Yeah. I'm sorry, babe, but <laughs> I'll never forget. I go to the church. I mean, as far as ceremonies go, the, the black church, I love the black church. Yeah, they know how to hoop and holler. You know why, right? No, why? Because they are so angry and unhappy. And so they treat church in the same way they treat a nightclub. The music, dance, singing, and hooping and hollering because they're so unhappy, and they use music and the scriptures as a form of escaping. It yeah. has nothing to do with God. It was one of the better. It was not as somber. It wasn't as. It was more lively. It was more fun. I still it was pain to me, but I remember. I mean, I'll just never forget the sermon talked about how bad TV was, how bad, all, I mean, it was just, whole, everyone, oh, yeah, amen, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. You could so have gone after, to a nightclub and got the same thing, yeah, a black nightclub. So then after the church, there's the, I forgot what it's called, but you go back and you have, you eat and everybody just gets together yeah. and they really, that's yeah. the community part of it. And I'll just never forget that almost every conversation was about TV or about phone. It was just, it was littered with hypocrisy. Yeah. Again, that's years later. Because but, they're very emotional. They're well, I don't know if it's God. them. I don't know if, again, I'm not, it's not a black-white thing to me. That well, was just to me. Well, black people are really into that. Yeah. It's not about religion. It's not about God at all. It's really, they could go to a club on a Saturday night and do the same thing and get up in church and repeat the same thing. But when you look at their lifestyle, you see that they have no love. They are not of God. They hate one another. They hate their fellow man. They're very but, but judgmental. It, but, but that's not a black thing. That's men a and people women thing, don't get along. You're right. Anyone who's in that fallen state, but blacks lead the way in that because for the last 60 years or so, the government became the daddy. And so you got this anger there that's out of control. And then they've been made to feel like victims. So it's just even worse generation after generation. Huh. So they're very emotional people. Yeah. So, so you're Jewish? No, my mother actually converted to Judaism. So oh. Not, but I, to be honest, I resent any dissent. I feel like I am American. I feel like I am good or bad. Yeah. When I've been raised to make, I like to think, good decisions. So it's, I go on morality. What do you? My own morality, so who knows what you that is. You don't believe know. there is a God? No. You do not believe there is a God, that he has this. No, so where do you get your values from? I guess I've got them from my upbringing and then just as I grow that I learn about other opinions change, I guess. Uh, I like to just try to think that I'm always trying to make the right decision. So some of it is from within and other is just an observation. Are you 100% convinced there is no God? I'm never going to say 100% because... So there may be one. Maybe, yeah. Uh, 
So you so you saying there might be one? You're not one hundred percent convinced I, there I, is no God. I just getting back to like with changing an opinion or a view. I just don't want to say with a hundred percent certainty about anything. Yeah. About so anything. you're not all the way atheist. Yeah. I guess not. Then I guess you could go agnostic. Is maybe that's a better way to fall into. A, I'm not educated enough to be able to. I couldn't go back and forth with you. You right. obviously, you've lived three times the life of what I've lived. And I don't just mean years, just experiences. Right. You've been following, you've read the Bible. You've probably had these types of conversations every day, you know, significant amount. So I couldn't hold a candle to this conversation. Right. How old are you? 44. Oh, okay. I've never read the Bible all the way through. Interesting. I used to try to remember the scriptures the way my family and friends did, but I can never remember them. Now I'm glad that I didn't because they would have gotten in my way had I remember them, because they build the ego that makes you think you know what you don't know. It's just, now you have the knowledge of good and evil, can no one tell you anything? Because the knowledge of good is as bad as the knowledge of evil. That's a nice quote right there. Yeah. <laughs> is that yours or is that, uh, we'll give you a footnote on that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well I know that we've got to wrap up. Or yeah. it was, I, I really appreciate you having this conversation, having me in your studio, which is just such a treat. Yeah. You've ruined me. Now how do I go back to mine? <laughs> now <laughs> no. you'll be on your own. Yeah, no I have, I do. <laughs> yeah. it's, it just The sound quality in here is just second to none. It's, well thank it, you. Yeah, no, it's really no, good. I'm, I'm grateful. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, you've built something really special here. I'm yeah. looking forward to having the people that are listening to me get an opportunity to learn more about you, whether it doesn't matter where you fall, there's whether they're 100% into your perspectives, or right. even if it's just some, it's just good to, I like getting another perspective just to make you think, whether it's, again, right or wrong, and I hope that, that this conversation helped other people to get a different perspective. Well, we're on Newsmax TV Monday through Friday as well. Okay. And over 50 million homes around the country, but we're heard around the world. And we're on three hours a day from 6 to 9 a.m. Pacific time. My thing is I hope people get to examine themselves and see that that anger is what's holding them back and keeping them blind and dumbed down and emotionalized and lost into their imagination. But if they go and forgive, especially with the mothers, Go and forgive their mothers and return to the father. They can wake up and everything starts to change immediately. Wow. They can have peace on earth. Jesse, thank you so much. Thank you, man. (laughs) I'm really glad you made it through the whole show. It tells me that you found it entertaining and enjoyed the content. In the spirit of helping us continue to provide such great content and amazing guests, we appreciate your participation through Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash networkwise. Your support really helps. Also, if you or someone you know is looking for a career change, is building a business, seeking to expand sales, or is just generally interested in improving your overall health and happiness, then head on over to networkwise.com. Not only does this platform offer you a plethora of resources, but will walk you through how to expedite the outcomes and the aforementioned goals that you seek. Thanks again for listening. Make it a great day. And remember to always network wise.